this offseason was fun for us and for our show. It felt like, you know, every few days there was there was a new move. How well, fun that was, was it for you? That was the, that yeah. was the intent the I whole figured. year was to make sure it's good for the show. we kept <laughs> yeah. something in the in the in the hopper. I figured as such. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mets Pod. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, alongside my co-host, as always, Joe DeMeo. And we have a very, very special guest in Mets manager, Buck Showalter. Buck, how are you, man? We are so excited to talk to you today. Good, fellas. Just got back from my eye appointment uh, down here in St. Lucie. You can tell my eyes are deleted. So I'm not, you know, shot, bloodshot or anything. Don't start worrying about it. Yeah, you're you're playing hurt today, Buck, and we appreciate that about you coming That's on. Sorry, right. I don't have to play. That's right. That's absolutely right. So, to kick things off here, something I was really excited to ask you was when you made your return to the dugout last year with the Mets. What was something you missed about the game being in the dugout that you didn't even realize until you got back in uniform and down there with the team? Um, I don't know about didn't realize. I think the thing that you miss is being part of a team being part of a group of people and a group and a group of fans and an organization that everybody's trying to get to that, uh, you know, that promised land, so to speak, where everybody's pulling on the same rope. And, you know, I talk all the time about uh, not having an agenda and not, there should be nothing that makes you pick a side. And, and uh, I think I'm just that singleness of purpose that, you know, every day you wake up knowing there's people depending on you, whether you're a clubhouse guy or parking attendant or the manager of the team you know everybody's got a job to do to deliver and um so i, I think you, you you missed that but you knew that part of it you know some of the other stuff was some of you don't miss you know the old expression hangovers hurt more than they used to or well, road trips hurt more than they used to but thank god i've never been hung over but i have had a tough road trip here or there there are a lot of new rules obviously coming to mlb this year uh on the surface, which one do you think will have the biggest impact in 2023? Um, I think probably the, uh, the the clock. You know, anytime you ask somebody, you know, professional athletes at every sport make more mistakes when you make them play at a pace they're not comfortable with. But that's what you try to do in football and basketball, hockey. Uh, you know, when you can speed the game up in baseball. So with that being said, you know, we're going to speed the game up. And um, I'm not sure a family of four um, really look at time of game as a deciding factor about coming or not coming to the game. But people at home, let's face it, a lot of us driven by TV. And, uh, you know, it's a way to, to make our game better, I hope. You know, could you imagine watching a football game or without replay? Could you imagine even baseball now? It's hard for a manager to get thrown out of a game anymore. So um, I, I think the, the pace of the game, I don't think the pitchers are going to have that much of a problem. I think the hitters are going to have a, a struggle. I do. And the umpires will be the bad guys for a couple of weeks before everybody figures out they're just enforcing the rules. And um, I think those that can get ahead of it in the spring, uh, which we're trying to do, and uh, we'll have some advantage. But um, it's just another challenge there that, that should make our game better. You know, I don't know if it's so much the time of game, it's the pace and the tempo which it's played at. You know, I've, I've been around some really good three and a half hour games, but especially if the Mets won. But uh, we'll see. I you know the shift. 
there's a lot yet to be seen there. The bases size, I don't really see a whole lot of change there personally, but they didn't ask me, but we'll see. What do you guys think? I'm with you on the pitch clock and I think, or whatever they're going to technically call it. I, I would lean that for sure. And I actually do agree with you too, that the hitters are going to have to definitely adjust more so than maybe the pitchers. But, yeah. You know, I, I don't think uh, Mary and Joe and the kids decide whether or not they're going to game by what Jeff McNeil's walk-up song is. Okay. Right. Hey, let's go out there. I think it's more of uh so if that gets cut out, I don't know what they're going to do with the timing and everything, but um. I don't know. I, I think the hitter from the on deck circle, uh, there's not going to be as much of a, a drama. I personally would have had the pitch clock until the eighth or ninth inning. I think I would have cut it off after that. For me, Buck, I'm curious how the limitations of the shifts change some guys' approach. Some guys just look for more bat to ball rather than swinging for the fences. And if that changes the not the viewership of the game, but just more balls in play uh, and more excitement on the field as well. So that's the one that I have my eyes on. Well, you know, we were, we were a, a team that I thought was pretty entertaining to watch from the standpoint. We Absolutely. didn't have a whole lot of strikeout guys. Uh, I, it's yet to be seen whether it's going to hurt or help Jeff McNeil, for instance, because Jeff was like Tom Brady. I've said it before. He'd come to the line of scrimmage and survey the defense, then to deliver the ball where nobody was playing. And now you know, I used to sit in the dugout and watch some of these teams, how they would play Jeff, and I would just go watch this, watch this. You know, he's – so, you know, he's a guy I would always play straight up. Of course, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, someone will try to reinvent the wheel and, and do something different. And I do know with new rules, everybody tries to take them to a different level and kind of push the envelope. So we'll see what, what develops. But – um you know, what I found from being on the competition committee, we think these things are just something they threw out there, but they've been practicing and looking at this for two, three, four years. You know, it's just like the potential of a robotic strike zone. That's not something they're just going to throw in there. There's going to be three or four years of study behind it. So understand that these aren't things they're just pulling out of the out of the ceiling. So something, Buck, we've kept our eyes on as fans is the World Baseball Classic, looking at the different rosters. And it's amazing how many Mets – are playing in the World Baseball Classic on how many different teams. And as exciting as all that is, we're more curious in spring training, the opportunities that opens for the younger guys, like a Francisco Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez should get the chance to be behind the plate for guys like Verlander, Scherzer, even uh, a guy in Senga that we haven't seen in this country yet pitch in the major league level. With all that being said, what are you looking for from Alvarez with that much more opportunity for him in the spring with the Mets? Well, he would have gotten that regardless if there was WBC, okay? And so would Beatty and so would Vientos. And, you know, I'm excited that we have Ramirez here. Uh, we've got a couple of pitchers that I'm, I'm anxious to see. But uh, I think at last count, we have 17 players leaving. Now, five of those are from the minor leagues that aren't in big league camp. Um, we've got 12 from this club that are connected with it. And I, I think there's a couple other clubs that have as many, if not more. but you know, it's good for the game, I'm told, and that's what, you know, it's fine. But I'm just looking at selfishly what's best for the Mets, and it'll place a challenge on it, but uh, we'll get it done. And it's not like you – know, I don't know if some teams that have only three or four go on have an advantage or not. Um, you guys can answer that a couple of months into the season. But uh, I do know that players have a, a baseball clock, and when you start that clock early, sometimes it can be a challenge. We'll see. 
but I'm excited for for baseball. You know, it's going to be fun. Anything that puts a focus on the game, I know how much it means to Escobar. I know how much it means to Pete and and McNeil and Lindor and and I know these. I know it means a lot to Adebayo and Rayleigh is is extremely excited to pitch for America. And uh, I know that means a lot to Quintana to pitch for Columbia. And I can go right on down the line. It's a uh, so you know. Don't take don't you're not that important. Don't take yourself so seriously. It's good for the game, and and these guys want to do it. And you know, I talked to Mark DeRosa, the manager, a lot, and I said, hey, make sure they play and get their at bats, and you better return them healthy, or you and I are going to have a problem. <laughs> One player that uh, left actually this offseason, the Mets was Trevor Williams, and we know how important of a role he played on the team last year. And you seemingly have a plethora of options to fill kind of the the role that Williams did, like a swing starter, long guy, can do kind of everything. How do you balance looking at guys like Peterson, McGill, Lucchese, and even Eliezer Hernandez as starting pitching depth versus possible replacements for the Williams type role? It's kind of like a Wikipedia page. You know, you, you look at the whole picture. You look at their history. You look at their background. You know, you could throw T.J. McFarlane in there, Tommy Hunter. You know, we Billy in our front office and ownership have done a great job of giving us some options. We love Trevor and the job he did, and no one valued it more than I did. And we knew – and we that's why we had interest in him, but he, he got a situation that he wanted to go down. And um, wish him well. He was great here. So trying to fill those shoes is going to be tough. You know, there can be, you know, to be able to do it on the field. And I don't care if your rotation is old or young. You have to have two of those guys, usually uh, one in the big leagues and one in the minor leagues that can fit that role because somebody will walk in at 635 for a 710 game and say something happened and I can't pitch tonight. And your what ifs have to be solid. You know, our what ifs last year, you know, with Peterson and McGill and some of the, and, and Trevor were, were big for us. You know, putting your arm over your head and jerking it down violently 100 times every fifth day is not a normal thing to do to your body. There's going to be things that happen, and you better be ready. As a couple guys who covered a team who also are fans of the team, this offseason was fun for us and for our show. It felt like, you know, every few days there was there was a new move. How well, fun that was, was it for you? That was the, that yeah. was the intent the I whole think year was to make sure it's good for the show. we kept <laughs> yeah. something in the, in the, in the hopper. I think fig- I figured as such. Uh, so how fun was it for you to get those calls from Billy Epler? Seemingly, like I said, every few days saying, hey, Buck, I got Justin Verlander for you. I got Kodai Senga for you and down the line. Well, it didn't really work like that. It was, uh, you know, I, I kind of chuckle when people call it the offseason. I'm waiting for the, for spring to start so I can get a little downtime, so to speak. <laughs> it's been, uh, but they're all kind of like that, to be honest with you. Because the baseball world really churns in the offseason. you got to stay ahead of things with the deadlines. You know, some six-year free agent that signs could be end up being as important as a Verlander sign. You never know how it's going to shake out. And that's the beauty of our game. So uh, certainly uh, we had a lot of people left, and we knew we had to be ready to pivot and go in different directions. We knew that Brandon was a uh, priority for us, and we could make it work. And um, – you know, we, we always like Singa. We've been talking about these things for quite a while. It didn't just happen in November or October. We've been talking about them since last spring. All right, Bug, before we let you go, we have a couple of fun rapid-fire questions. You can pass on any of them. Well, I understand that. that. 
whether they're fun or not is a matter of opinion. Come on. Okay, so we'll let you be the judge. That tells me you're, uh, you might pass. First one, what gets you more excited for the Super Bowl? The actual game or Rihanna doing the halftime show? Uh, it's baseball season. I, the, if there's a Super Bowl being played, then so be it. I'm happy for you guys. But uh, uh, I, once, once we get February, it's baseball season. They're playing a football game? Yes, sir. That's absolutely right. I like right. Rihanna. I actually like her. I think she, I, I liked some of her music, most of it, as a matter of fact. I liked a lot of stuff she did with Drake. It was very uh, impressive. Uh, not quite as good as Shakira, but, you know, not anybody can be there. I always liked the football game. You got to understand, I will watch the game, but I, if it kicks off at 532, the TV will get turned on at 532, and the volume will be off. And uh, I just the announcing and all the prelim. I just want to watch the game, just the game. So we'll see. And we we get to watch the Met commercial. What you guys think of the commercial? So that is number one. Loved it. And one of my rapid fire questions here is, which Met was the best actor in the commercial, Buck? Who who gave the best performance in that commercial? Well, I thought you were going to ask me if I was upset about not being asked to be in it. That was my follow-up. I actually wanted to know. You, so you weren't even asked to be in it. I no, thought you I, passed. It they, I, I thought they, they couldn't meet they made, they made good choices putting those guys in it. Uh, my favorite, I'd have to sit there and critique it a lot. I have to look at it. Give me my options because I did look at it. So Mr. Met took your desk, uh, which could cause he some friction. He might, okay. he might be there. We get off to a bad start. He might be there. Okay. So, I thought Lindor was pretty good, but honestly, the star was Kodai Senga on FaceTime explaining his ghost pitch is not actually a real ghost to the fans. Well, I hope it. I hope it's a ghost pitch. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I thought all our guys tied for best actor award. How's that? That's you uh, all watch the Grammy or the Oscars. I don't watch those either. Nope, they don't do it. For not me. really. Nope. Yeah, they're a little uh they uh seem to cram stuff down your throat a little too much. We'll leave that one alone. All right, Buck. What are your favorite non-baseball related things to do in the offseason? Do you have any? Or is it just trying to sign to, your players I used, back? I used to play golf, but I okay. played I played once in the last year and a half. And that's so you haven't really played with McNeil yet? Uh, no, I've, I've got him a couple of things. You know, I have this golf magazine that comes in once a month. And when Jeff's not, not got three hits the night before, I always just put one of my magazines at his, at his locker and just to let him know that it's okay. So, uh, my favorite thing, probably dealing with the grandsons. I've got four grandsons and that that's been cool. Um, cause when they act up, I just get, let their parents take care of them. Um, but it does make for an expensive uh, holiday season, I can tell you that. All right, your favorite movie of all time? Oh, geez, I don't know. I got a lot of them. I'm a, I, I tell you, I'm a big chick flick guy. I like uh, chick flick stuff. guy. I like I like Nicolas Cage stuff. Uh, not Nicolas Cage, but uh, Sparks. Is it Nicholas Sparks? Um, I like Knights and Rodan. I have to think of baseball sports movies. I tell you, one under the radar is Draft Day, with Kevin Costner makes great sports movies. A lot Draft of people don't Day. know about that one. That that was a great sports movie. I have seen it, Buck, and I know um, Joe has as well. I'm trying to think, uh, for the love of the game, was a good movie. Uh, I tell you, one under the radar. Have you ever seen Bang the Drum Slowly with a guy named Robert De Niro's first movie? No, Joe. Check have out you? check no, out Bang I the have Drum. Not. Slowly. It's on the list. 
bang the drum slowly. And when I was a young kid, uh, damn Yankees, that, that lady Lola made it tough to watch TV, boy. You haven't seen that either, have you? Have not. No, sir. <laughs> All right, so I've turned you on to a couple of movies. We got a list now after the show. Yes. All right, Buck, our last question of rapid fire. You're being dropped off at a deserted island. You could bring any Where? a deserted island all by yourself. This but is you like could, uh, Gilligan. It's like Gilligan's Island. Pretty much, but you have no allies <laughs> with you, no friends with you. But you could bring oh, that, any that, three that's pretty, things. That's pretty true. Any any three things you could bring with you. What are the three items? You guys got to give me some time to think about this stuff. I, I know you got it. You got it locked and loaded here, Buck. Ready to go. I have to think about it. three things I'd bring with me. I don't know. Deserted island. I'm stuck there the rest of the time. I'd like to bring my dog. There you go. Yeah, it's absolutely on the table. Obviously, my wife, 40 okay. years. Good company. And uh, a boat. <laughs> and then you're done. Then you're you're free. You you found the loophole. In uh, the you leave unless only if you want to. That's I might, might get be a good there thing. and decide I don't want to leave. It might be a good hiatus. I'd have to have a contract to sign somebody if there was a good potential prospect on the island. For the for the Mets, Mets international stop, scouting right? taking a step up. All I right. need a fishing pole, probably. <laughs> we're getting we're getting we got five items, but we'll let, we'll let it go. Buck Show Walter, we can't thank you enough for your time. We've been so excited to have you on this show. Uh, Thanks, best guys. of luck this season, and and it was just great talking to you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the questions. That's fun. Thank you, thank you, Buck. Okay. Thanks, oh, Buck. Take care. Great stuff from Mets manager Buck Show Walter. Joe, I know you and I have. Hope to have him on our on our show for a long time, basically since he was hired, because his post games are there's always insightful answers. It's it's not the same old every single time. Buck really thinks about the questions you ask him and always has such a unique view. So obviously that was a ton of fun. What what was the most uh, interesting baseball thing that stood out to you though in that entire interview, Joe? I think it was talking about Jeff McNeil and how he was yep. kind of like Tom Brady, and obviously we know that that Tom retired, but just the ability to read the defense and having the, the barrel control that McNeil does that, like, that wasn't like hyperbole. Like no. I think Jeff genuinely walks up and he's like, Oh, they're shifting a little bit. I could just put the ball between the, the five and six hole and I'll have a hit. And he's able to do that. It's just uh, obviously super impressive. And one of the reasons why the Mets wanted to extend McNeil. It's that golfer mentality, you know, in mid-range, right, with his irons. That's what I think of when Jeff, the different scenarios that he's put in really translate to his at-bats. And um, it was just fascinating. Think about Buck Showalter, right? He's the only manager to win manager of the year in four different decades. That's just an incredible, uh, you can't even call it a rare accomplishment. He's the only one to do that. So you think the amount of baseball he's seen, the different eras of baseball he's been a part of, and without us even bringing it up, he gushes about how impressive Jeff McNeil is as a hitter for that very unique reason. So really, really cool. I, we honestly probably could have talked to Buck for two hours easily, and it would have felt like 20 minutes. So that was great. And a reminder, you're listening to the Mets pod. If you never want to miss a show, you want the show instantly right to your phone or wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the Mets pod, Apple pod, Spotify. You can watch on SMY's YouTube or wherever you get your shows. Joe, there's no way we were doing an episode, even the one that Buck Walter comes on without getting to the mailbag. And we have a lot of good questions. I think, though, one I really wanted to start with here uh, is from our buddy, the senator, who has been listening to this show as long as it's existed. And he asked, do you believe Carlos Beltran's hiring in the front office is potentially his first step in becoming 
the guy when Buck is done, when Buck walks away from baseball, when Buck walks away from being the Mets manager, essentially is Beltron the heir apparent. When that hire was announced, Joe, is that what came to mind for you? Or, or do you think there's just so much unanswered right now? A lot unanswered. Uh, I definitely thought when he was brought in, I, I think they're just trying to add smart people to this yeah. organization. Uh, with that said, it wouldn't surprise me if that's maybe on Beltron's mind, maybe even more so than the Mets mind. Uh, I think we know that he wasn't too happy that he wasn't the manager of the Mets. And obviously we know everything that transpired and why that happened. Uh, but he wanted to be the manager of this team and people have reached out or teams have reached out over the last couple of years, trying to get him to join coaching staffs. Like I, I think the Padres wanted him as like a bench coach or something. And it seems like he wasn't interested in, in that type of role. So, I mean, maybe, but you know, we just talked the buck for 15, 20 minutes and I don't want that guy to leave ever. Like, no, man, Sam. he's, he, he's the best, but you know, eventually he will not manage the Mets and, at that time, we'll, we'll see where everything's at. But I do think Carlos Beltran has visions on being a manager again in the sport. And I think it would be a, a cool full circle moment uh, to have him back as Mets manager one day. And I think it was fascinating to hear the rumblings that guys like Francisco Lindor and Edwin Diaz, they really like Beltran's presence. And that matters so much because we know with Lindor and Diaz, at a minimum, those guys are here for the next half decade. This isn't a situation where, you know, they're here for another year or two. They are a core foundation of this team. And as you said, Joe, there has been a mission since Steve Cohen bought this team, and that is to get smart people in the building in all areas, whether it's analytics, whether it's the training staff, whether it is the technology side. Um, and obviously a baseball lifer like Beltran that had a lot of success here in New York, now back in the Mets organization is only good news. The next one from an insane Mets fan who asked, with Matt Allen needing to be added to the 40-man roster to be protected in the Rule 5 draft by December, is there a chance the Mets cut ties or let another team claim him? Joe, I feel like that question kind of crushes your soul. We've had huge expectations for Allen for a long time. He's now dealing with another injury, um, essentially having to go through Tommy John again is what it sounds like. It's going to be a long time before we see him on the mound. What do you think of Allen's future with the roster? It's very unfortunate, obviously. Uh, I mean, this is one of the most highly touted guys. If you listen to us before we were the Mets pod and obviously listening to us on the Mets pod, Matt Allen's and been the guy I've talked about uh, for years at this point. And the reality is, he hasn't pitched since 2019 is the oh. last time he threw a game, a ball in a professional baseball game. And he has 10 and a third professional innings. Uh, he's obviously, like you said, going to miss the 2023 season due to UCL revision surgery, which might as well just be called Tommy John surgery again. Uh, so really unfortunate uh, that he's dealing with this. And as far as the 40 man roster goes, I don't think that's anything you have to worry about. I don't think anybody's picking Matt Allen in the Rule 5 draft, which means they have to carry him on their major league roster for the entire season. So I don't think that's anything we have to worry about. I think Matt Allen will go through this surgery, go through his rehab, and we'll see what 2024 brings for him. Yeah, call, just to add on here, Joe, you understand the Rule 5 draft as well as anyone I've ever met. And from observing it for a long time now, it feels like, from what I see, Teams use it to see if they get lightning in the bottle with the bullpen arm that can contribute really in the next calendar year. So is it pretty rare for a team to take on a guy that 
even if he ever returns healthy again, which we're really hoping Matt Allen does, he has multiple levels of the minor leagues to get through. Yeah, it would be very uncommon. I mean, once in a while, you'll see someone pluck from a single A level that, you know, maybe it's an arm that throws 102 or something and they'll just take a shot on a power arm. More often than not, those guys end up back in the organizations that they were taken from because they don't stick. Uh, so I wouldn't be too worried about Allen. And it, like you said, it's largely, you know, the Mets drafted Zach Green this year. He's a guy who performed well in AAA and he's a guy you could look at as a possibility uh, in the bullpen. And then, you see fourth outfielders sometimes get taken rule five draft. That's really it. We make a lot of the rule five draft just because it's an off season activity during the winter meetings, but 98% of them are, you know, role players or nothing. All right. The next one from Milo, who he asked, what are expectations around Joey Lucchese this year? It's interesting. I, I asked Buck, uh, obviously about the long relief option and, uh, I, we know he went on the tangent that he did about Trevor and, and everything. But to me, Joey Lucchese is the one of that group that I mentioned where you have Peterson, McGill, Eliezer Hernandez, and Lucchese. I think Lucchese is one that stands out as a guy that I'd like to see in the bullpen as that long reliever, swing man, guy that can start on a moment's notice and give you four, five innings. I think Lucchese fits that role best, whereas you could put Peterson and McGill in the AAA rotation because I think they should stay stretched out entirely. So if a Verlander misses time or Scherzer misses time again, or Senga, you know, anyone in the rotation, then you'll have the ability to bring someone up that's fully stretched out and ready to be a starter for an extended period of time. Our next one comes from Rational-ish New York sports fan. He said, I need to get my girlfriend a Mets jersey. Who should I get for her? She's on transition to becoming a baseball fan. Joe, we always have fun with this one. We uh, we discuss jerseys and all different kinds of things, sports memorabilia. And this is always a fun one. People, whether they're asking for their kid's first jersey, a girlfriend's first jersey. The Mets right now, more so than ever, this is a difficult question, right? You have so many guys locked up that you don't have to worry about the jersey rule. And we don't think they're going to be traded. Lindor is going to be here for a long time. One of the faces of the team. You have Jeff McNeil's been extended. We both think Pete Alonzo is going to be extended. Brandon Nimmo is going to be here for another almost 10 years. There are so many different players on this team, or you can go more risky and go with a prospect, which is definitely the most risky route. I wouldn't recommend that one here. Joe, if you had to pick one or suggest one here, I think I know which way you're going. Another guy under contract, but I won't give it away. I actually think the answer is Francisco Lindor. Okay. I you thought, thought you were I was going to say Edwin Diaz. D yeah, I thought you were going <laughs> to sneak in. Because Diaz is fun. Diaz, you have the music, uh, the entrance. He's here for a while. I'm trying to be uh, one of the select. That trying to be rational. Diaz, like rational-ish New York sports fan. At least rational-ish. Like that's that's at least being uh, fair to yourself. But I actually think Lindor is, is a good answer for this. Fun. He's kind of got that swag. Plays, he's got the hair. Like I, I think he's just someone that if you're just turning on the Mets, you don't know baseball, you don't know anyone. I think Lindor's one of the players that would kind of stick out like a sore thumb and uh you know bring some interest. So that's I'd go Lindor. I'm with you as well. Lindor right now, I think, is the best starter jersey. Whether you're buying a jersey for a kid, for a family member, whoever it is. Um, so I'll make this harder. Which one? The beautiful home with stripes, the gray road jerseys or the alternate black jerseys. And keep in mind, at some point in the next two seasons, 
the Mets are due to get a Nike City Connect jersey. And we saw a ton of those displayed last year. So there's going to be a fourth uniform in the Mets rotation coming up as well that we, we have no idea. There are so many leagues we know nothing about. I don't even want to see what the city connect. You're nervous. Are. I think I they've been I, extremely hitter. I actually think some of them yeah. have been awesome hits, but they've also had, you're worried about the miss, like the, the oh. bottomed out, like this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Yes, 100%. But if we're picking from just the core jerseys that we have right now, I think you just go white pinstripes. That's what I, I actually have a Lindor white pinstripe. So that's what I would go with. Yeah, it's a classic. I think the road grays are underrated. You don't see a ton of them in the stands. Obviously, the alternate black uniforms uh, have been a hit, especially for Friday nights when they wear them. I have one with, with no name on it, but there's nothing like the home white jerseys with the stripes. It's an absolute classic, and you're right. I'm I'm actually a little nervous when the City Connect ones arrive. Are you? I know people have been rec have been hoping for an orange alternate. Are you anti-orange? Yeah, don't want an orange jersey. I, Does it remind I, you of the Los Mets? I hated the <laughs> Los Mets jerseys. The I don't think they're terrible. The orange jerseys to me should have been spring training jerseys. I remember back yeah, in the day when, when when Piazza was was here. I remember what they had orange spring training jerseys. That feels spring training to me, but something tells me it's going to be orange or just straight up blue in some way. Like it's not going to be white. Who knows? Maybe the Red Sox and we'll get like pink jerseys because the Red Sox had what lime yellow and light blue which is in no way shape or form red Sox colors so uh it's a bit unpredictable but we'll, we'll see what what that's all about at some point it is and you brought up blue and reminded me of course uh, another uniform with the mets is the blue uniform so you just wonder if they would they would go that route as well it's not a lot of options i i'm wor joe i'm worried for you i think it's going to be orange everything else is covered they have white they have blue they have black they have gray i, I think uh you're going to be in trouble on that one and with that we are going to wrap up our show. Definitely a special episode to us having Buck Showalter on him being gracious enough with his time. Um, it's so funny with guests, Joe, you always are so nervous about their time or you are going too long in the interview. And with Buck, it truly felt like he could sit there all day and give you great long answers in every question. So definitely one that we will remember for a long time on this show. Joe, closing thoughts on the latest episode of the Mets pod as guys have arrived in Port St. Lucie, man. And it's, it's, I still like a kid get excited for the arrival videos. It's something that to me will never get old about spring training. I was just going to say the same thing. There's nothing like pitchers and catchers and baseball getting started up. Like I'm looking on SMY social every day for the videos. Same. I'm like, Kodai Senga's Kodai standing Senga. in the outfield, throwing a baseball. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. like, he's not doing anything really, but it's just like, he's here. It's baseball time, and like like you said, we have the Super Bowl Sunday, which we should do. Let's do some Super Bowl picks before we drop off. Why not? I, everyone's everyone's following the Super Bowl, and then and then we're into baseball season. And for me, Super Bowl Sunday, it pains me as a Dallas Cowboys fan. I think the Eagles are going to take the game. Uh, I think they've been the best team in football since day one, and everyone's just been trying to find the reasons why they're not going to win, and I think they come through. I'm going with the Chiefs, Joe, and it's only because they were my pick in July. I understand why the Eagles are the favorite. I have to ride this thing out by now. I, I said Chiefs, Niners for a long time. Didn't work out on the NFC side. I'm going with Mahomes. I think he gets his second title. So enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody, and thank you so much for listening. And one last reminder, subscribe to the Mets Pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You could always watch right here on SMY's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts.